Welcome to Mindful Talk, brief conversations about mindfulness in the workplace and at home. I am your host, Lauren Wessinger. And I'm your host, Misty Anderson. And this podcast is brought to you by The Mindful Project. The Mindful Project helps you elevate the culture of your business by bringing mindfulness practice to you and your staff through in-person and virtual learning. Contact us through our website, themindfulproject.co, for more information. Welcome to episode 19, How to Practice Mindfulness. Hi, Lauren. Hi, Misty. How are you? I'm doing well today. Are you excited? Are you excited to talk about this? Yeah, I'm always excited to talk about mindfulness. I like to just completely nerd out on it, to be honest. Oh my gosh. I love to tell people how to practice it. That's probably my favorite thing. And most people have such a misconception about the practice of it that I think we're just going to help a lot of people today understand that it's very accessible. Yep. I am on a mission to make things understandable, accessible, and simple because life is complicated enough. (laughs) And yep. (laughs) Agree. I think it's helpful to kick this conversation off with the understanding that mindfulness is a couple things. Mindfulness can be formal practice. Mindfulness can also just be a state of being and a way of living. So I think it's good to differentiate the practice of mindfulness from mindful living. So really this podcast, this whole podcast as as an offering is about mindful living. And then those of you that have been listening for a while, you know, at the end, we give you sometimes a mindful practice, a formal practice to do, which could be a breathing practice or a sitting practice or even a contemplation practice. I want to start, I don't know if you guys listened to the last episode on what mindfulness is and what it isn't, but Misty shared a really great story about her experience in a velvet taco restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) And one way to practice mindfulness is exactly what she did. So standing in a crowded room, whether you're in line at a restaurant or at the grocery store, really every moment is an opportunity to practice. So usually if we're waiting for food, standing in line at the store, we think of that as a wasted moment to just hurry through to get to the next thing. And when we're in that mindset, everything inside of us is elevated, right? We're kind of stressed. We're tapping our foot. We're rolling our eyes. We're huffing and puffing, checking our phone. We are just completely sort of in this internal basket case situation. But those moments are actually informal moments in our lives that we can practice mindfulness. And so just standing there, taking a few breaths, feeling down into your feet, consciously recognizing that that moment is the only moment that exists in your life. And it's not one to just waste and hurry through, but it's actually one to experience as the only reality that there currently is. And so I loved the Velvet Taco story and um, standing meditation is actually a formal practice that you can do anywhere in public, anytime. I practice that meditation in all the lines you were saying. The grocery store is probably my most mindful practice. Um, I, I'm very isolated where we're at right now. We 
because of COVID and because we're far from friends and family. So the grocery store and the library are pretty much the only places we go. The library, there's not a lot of people. So it's very nice and calming. And there's books that I love. The grocery store is like war. And people are angry and they're angry that they have to wear their masks. And there's just too many people in New Jersey. And so it's just crowded in general. And I used to, I mean, like there have been times I've left the grocery store, just a ball of nerves. And so I've had to sit in my car and kind of have my own mindfulness practice practice to deregulate from the grocery store. And so it's at times that that happens to me that I remind myself, okay, next time you're in the store and you're waiting in line or like people are being rude in the vegetable section, like stand there, wait, take a breath, do it. My go-to is to tell myself if there's anything tensed up to relax that. And I'll sometimes literally start at my head and just quickly go through because I have a really bad, um, bad TMJ. And if I'm frustrated or anything, it, it it's exacerbated and I clench really bad. And so that mindfulness practice of just letting the tension fall helps me so much. And then when I leave the grocery store, I don't feel like such a ball of nerves. Um, and so seriously, like between my kids and the grocery store, those are probably my biggest daily mindfulness practices. I think that's great. So I think that's our, our number one first way we're going to offer how to practice is in those moments where you find yourself around people in public stressed out. For a lot of us, it's the grocery store or waiting for food. It could be really waiting for anything and making that an actual opportunity to practice. Or like events right now. I mean, I'm kind of, people can say what they want to say, but I'm kind of afraid of being in large crowds right now. It makes me apprehensive and I know I'm not alone. And so if you're in that boat, mindfulness practice and being in the present moment and realizing you're okay and you're safe and breathing can help you a lot. Mm -hmm. And a whole lot. I think part of the whole discussion, regardless of what method you're going to employ, is the understanding that mindfulness is bringing you into a new sensitivity with yourself. So if we don't know how we're feeling, we don't know to mindfully breathe or feel into our feet or whatever the tactic is. If we don't know how we're feeling, we're never going to know to to adopt a practice. And so it first starts with like, how am I feeling in this situation? How am I feeling in this moment? And by sensitivity, it's not like, oh, I'm too sensitive. I can't deal with stuff. I mean, like sensitivity to understand the signals you're getting from your own body about what's going on in your environment. So you get sweaty, your heart rate increases, you feel lightheaded, um, palm sweating. It could be any signal that the body is moving towards stress arousal. And then you recognize that and say, okay, I've got this body. I'm going to, I'm going to send you some really deep breathing. Um, if I can, I'm going to close my eyes depending on where I am, of course, <laughs> <laughs> or I'm just going to look around and, and mindfully see what's in my surroundings that isn't causing me stress. So if I'm in the grocery store, I'm going to go look at the vegetables and rest my eyes on the veggies for a moment, because that's a neutral thing to look at. If I'm waiting in the library line and there's 20 people in front of me, I'm just going to place my eyes on a 
stack of books or a shelf of books because there is nothing um, aggravating about that. And just let my vision rest on something neutral while I breathe. I do it a lot at traffic lights and annoying intersections <laughs> um, because we've all been there. And like, if you're stuck in traffic, obviously you can't close your eyes, but if you're sitting there, you can. Mm -hmm. um, and man, it gets me through a lot of road rage type situations where I normally would have been arrived somewhere feeling pretty ticked off. I kind of have worked through it and, you know, let it flow and breathed into it and then been okay. That's great. Yeah. I mean, those are just easy, really things that come up in your life. Yeah. You just breathe and everybody, there's nothing special. Just take a breath. The breath will, you, everybody on that's listening has heard somebody say, take a breath. So it's not news that a breath is going to help you, but man, it's, a tool that is super easy that will change the whole situation in a second. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with like if you're parenting and you're in a struggle with your kid, sometimes I have to take that deep breath. They actually know if I close my eyes and put my hands on my heart that they're like, oh no, mom, yeah. we've, we've done something to deregulate mom. <laughs> um, but that's like, that's almost my cue to, okay, I'm starting to get, just like you said, kind of sweaty and overwhelmed and they're wearing me down and I'm going to get a trigger and I'm going to yell or I'm going to do something that I don't want to do as a mom. And so that breath and that, that just second gives me my, it tells my brain, you've got just what you said, you've got this, you can handle this. This person in front of you is somebody you love. Look at it through that lens. Do you know what I mean? And it's yeah. when you're arguing with somebody, it's often, especially somebody you live with and with are with all the time. It's sometimes difficult to take those glasses off and see them differently. I feel like mindfulness allows me to see my kids as kids. The thing about the kids is that children's nervous systems are still wiring based off the adults that they're around. And so when your girls see you responding to stress in that way, it's not just a nilly, willy, willy, nilly, whatever the expression is, <laughs> example. That is, is wiring into their body as how somebody deals with stress. And so if you're flying off the handle every single time, that's going to be their pattern of how to deal with stress as they get older. Not to say that if you yell at them, you have ruined them. No, right. no, no. Zero, zero. I've right. yelled. They're okay. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but them witnessing you over the course of their childhood, it's, it's longevity, not just one event. Right. Yeah. But them witnessing you handling yourself that way and managing your stress is highly impactful to them as, as they turn into adults. Yeah. It's, they're always watching you. So yeah. if you've got kids and you wish to employ like some mindfulness with your relationship in regards to your kids, you're going to be given a thousand opportunities in a day to practice it yeah. because they, they throw so many different curveballs at you. Um, but it also allows me the opportunity to oftentimes see the joy or the simplicity in a situation that would otherwise annoy me, especially right now with COVID and isolation. You know, it allows me the opportunity to step back and say, okay. Like even I dig for gratitude a lot. 
I try to flip it on its head. You know, if this is happening, what am I grateful for? And that's one of my biggest mindfulness practices in my head. I just tell myself something, tell myself something I'm grateful for really quick. Um, and it kind of gets me out of that. Yeah. I think that's really great. You know, the turning toward gratitude, it's not bypassing what's going on by any means. It's, it's recognizing the feeling that you're having, the emotion that you're having, um, and then choosing to turn toward something else. Because the more you can turn your attention toward that, the more your brain is, is feeling a sense of safety and it can start to come down from that moment. And so gratitude is highly effective as a practice to, to help you kind of center and ground again. Yeah. We have a gratitude podcast. If you haven't listened to it, it was a special one. Um, but it really is, um, it's a very easy mindfulness practice. We all have something to be grateful for. And it can be a really big anchor in times of trouble too, like mm -hmm. when you aren't yourself. Um, okay. So what other, what's the next way that someone can practice mindfulness? What would you group it? You know, I think other than those informal moments during the day, so one, increasing your sensitivity to yourself to know even how you're feeling is huge to not wasting a casual moment that you just want to hurry through, um, standing in line, like we talked about, um, three breath for gratitude, all these little ways we can, we can practice in the moment. And then of course there's formal practice. There's the actual practice of sitting down for mindfulness meditation and to sit down for mindfulness meditation. Yes, you can do it on your own. There is absolutely technique and theory behind it. And so I would recommend either finding a teacher both Misty and I are mindfulness meditation teachers, taking a course, um, perhaps using an app. We both love Insight Timer. I don't use Headspace. I've heard it's great. But the formal practice of mindfulness meditation daily is so highly effective in, in really stabilizing that baseline level of groundedness and of clarity in your brain. I will say if you're somebody who is suffering from, from active trauma or PTSD, there's some very specific ways to practice mindfulness to care for that. And so find a teacher who, who understands that aspect of it before you go off on your own to start your own formal practice. Yeah. I think if I remember correctly, when I started meditation with you, you told me to go, you, we downloaded the app on Insight Timer. You told me to go to the guided section, which is people guiding you through it. And you said, you find something less than two minutes that interests you. So they group them by anxiety, self-care, um, positive affirmations, gratitude, all kinds of practices, loving kindness. And you said, find one and do it for two minutes. And then you had me do the two minutes, I think for a couple of weeks. I remember that. And then you moved me up like a minute every so often. And before I knew it, like five minutes in the beginning seemed like, oh my gosh, I'm right. never sitting still for five minutes. You're crazy. <laughs> five, five minutes feels like a blink of an eye. Like 
it's so crazy how you can build up literally the endurance, but it's not, I mean, guys, I was on two minutes for quite some time and I was on three minutes for quite some time. So if you want to follow what Lauren told me ages ago, um, that's exactly how I started. And I used Insight Timer and I did the guideds. And then one day I just decided, you know what, I'm going to go on Insight Timer. There's a little section that says music. So you can type music and, you know, it's like the really nice calming music. Um, and I was like, I'm going to pick some music and turn an actual timer on and see if I can just sit here for two minutes without anybody telling me what to do and just like use the skills that I've learned. I was so proud of myself after two minutes. I didn't go, things weren't going crazy in my brain. I was actually, I was really focused on my breath. And as long as I can anchor to breathing and adjusting my breathing, counting my breathing, paying attention to remember whatever it is, as long as I stay grounded to that, I can usually stay connected. Um, and so I just built it up and I definitely don't practice as long as Lauren does like time lengthwise. I would say my average meditation is like 15 minutes. Um, and another thing that I would, you know, like she said, there's a practice, um, and there's a specific way. One of the things that I learned through my mindfulness-based stress reduction course was it's okay if you can't sit or look like the other, like you think you're supposed to, or like the person's telling you to. When I started meditation, I had a really terrible disc in my neck that just didn't allow me to sit the way you're supposed to sit for meditation. And I tried and I tried and I tried and it was really frustrating me and it was holding me back from having a good meditation practice. And when I started taking that course, you were we were having to meditate for much longer. So I was like, I've got to do something. And then one day, a girlfriend of mine who is also a mindfulness coach said, why don't you lay down? I said, well, that's not meditation. And she said, Misty, you are a teacher. You know that, that you're getting the same benefit. She said, if your body could relax, perhaps you could absorb what you're trying to accomplish. I laid down and it was wonderful. I was able to relax, to breathe, to focus on it. And so if sitting is not, I just tell people that I know that it is a proper way to sit, but you are by yourself. We're not there. Nobody's watching you. So if you need to get comfortable in that way, don't let that stand in your way. Cause that was honestly sitting up was a huge roadblock for me. And I know I'm probably not alone, <laughs> especially for someone who is an overachiever. I'm just saying yeah. that because you described yourself yeah. as that, um, you know, you want to do it right. You want to mm -hmm. do it by the book as they instruct. And so it's really hard to not do it the way they're saying. So you could lay down. If that makes you sleepy, you could sit yes. in a chair, mm -hmm. totally just sit at your desk, make sure you close your laptop. And so all the bings aren't distracting you, but you can sit in your, you can sit in a chair. I sit in a chair often because it's easier some days than sitting on the ground. Well, it gives you good practice for like planes and trains and cars too. Yeah. <laughs> then you know how to sit and meditate, which is really yeah. nice. You can stand and yeah. formally practice meditation with your eyes closed in the center of your room. You can stand, lie down, sit in a chair, sit on the ground, whatever. The only reason, the main reason for sitting upright um, on the ground 
is for attention and energy. Because if you're not leaning back against anything, um, your body is keeping you a little more alert. But if the body is the boundary, or not the boundary, if the body is the obstacle, and just pain and discomfort, absolutely find a different way to arrange your body. I'm glad that we said that because, man, I wish somebody would have told me that when I, I started. And I never asked because just like you said, I wanted to do it right. And I'm like, okay, well, this is how I was told to practice, but man, it hurts. Right. So. Yeah. And what you said about the way we worked you up to where you are today, I think is really important because I always like to relate it back to, to sports because so many people can relate to sports. Say you wanted to learn how to shoot free throws in basketball. You know, if you practice free throws for two minutes once a week, you can pretty much guess how good your free throw is going to be. If you practice free throws for two minutes every day of the week, guess how much better they're going to be. So you practice for two minutes versus 14 minutes. I mean, it's so obvious what the result's going to be. So think of your mind and your brain as just like any other muscle in the body, the consistency regularly showing up over and over, over time matters so much more than maybe showing up to do it 10 minutes every other Sunday. It's not going to do that much. It's showing up every day and, and really just getting that lodged in, in your habit and in your brain. Yeah. I, there's times you can plug it into, you know, it doesn't have to be at your house, um, in a quiet room. I know a lot of people that practice their meditation for real in the car, in the car pickup line for school. Like that's when their scheduled meditation is they get comfy, they get quiet, they turn something on and they wait and they practice their meditation. So there's lots of ways to practice in that regards. And there's lots of tools that you can use as well, like the insight timer. And one thing I like do like about the insight timer that was helpful for me in the beginning as an overachiever, um, it keeps track of your practice and like, you know, how you're doing and it get, makes you feel really good. It's almost like a workout app or something, you know, but it's like a workout for your brain. You know, you do, I practice yoga and I, I walk for my body and I practice my meditation and my mindfulness for my mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Insight timer, you can track your total minutes too. So there's something really satisfying about it being like, oh my gosh, I've meditated for a hundred minutes in my life. Yeah. It's fun. It sends you like updates and stuff. Yeah. So yeah. But like she said, we're, I've heard good things about Headspace too. It's just nice to have um, the accessibility to have access to meditations like that. Yeah. Another meditation that we use a lot in our family is the sleep meditations on there. Um, they have wonderful yoga nidras, um, sleep meditations that are very helpful and they relax your body. So that's another form of meditation that if you wanted to introduce it and you were a little afraid of like the sitting aspect, um, you could turn on an evening meditation while you're laying in your bed. And I think that's a great way to practice. Love that. So for homework from this episode, if you are interested in, in starting a mindfulness meditation practice for yourself, think about all we've said, maybe listen to this podcast a second time. And if you're game, make a plan for yourself. How are you going to invite this practice into your life? What areas of your life can you consciously turn into mindful moments? And are you interested in a formal sitting practice? And if so, 
what's your plan? Are you going to download the app? Are you going to reach out to one of us? Are you going to attend a class? Um, we really encourage you to put some real action around this practice and invite it into your life. It is life-changing, life-healing, um, and there's so many options out there to guide you along the way. I will tell you, if you want, if you're really inspired, you want to set yourself up for success, find you a little spot in your house for a long time. Mine was in the closet that you can be alone and no one can bother you. Mm -hmm. Um, and you could get some peace and quiet because that's very helpful. Now there are oftentimes I practice mindfulness with everybody screaming in the house and then I have breathed through it. But then I also try to find a practice time that I can be alone in a quiet place um, that feels cozy for me. So I, I feel like that's one good thing to set yourself up for success too. Yeah. And if you are a business owner, an HR manager, or somebody who has influence at your company, this is exactly what we do for leadership and for staff is we come in now, of course, virtually. So we can really meet with anybody anywhere, which has been a gift of the pandemic. But we can formally train your people and you in the practice of mindfulness and relate it to your industry. So if that is something that you'd like more information on, reach out to us. The best way to get in touch is to email us through the website, themindfulproject.co. Thank you so much for listening to Mindful Talk. We don't take it lightly that you spent your time listening to our podcast, and we are forever grateful. If you'd like to support the podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a rating and a review. Welcome to a more mindful way of living and working.